Welcome to Think Orphan, the podcast for orphan excellence. Real talk with real people navigating the global orphan crisis. Let's join your hosts, Phil Dark and Dr. Karen Hutchison. Hey guys, welcome to the Think Orphan podcast. This is Dr. Karen. Thanks so much for joining us today. As usual, we have a fantastic show for you. Phil, who's on today? Today we have a, uh, he's a great new friend of mine. So we quick, quick become friends as you will hear on this interview. This is Mike Berry. Uh, he is uh, with Confessions of an Adoptive Parent blog. Many of you may have read that at some point. He's got books out there. We talk about the book, Confessions of an Adoptive Parent, uh, the podcast they have, the Honestly Adoption podcast. Uh, he speaks at conferences. He does the road trip for foster and adoptive dads. Does a whole lot more. He's an adoptive parent. And you're going to hear about all the different things that I just talked about and more on this interview. We're going to get right to it because we do have, uh, it is, is a bit of a longer interview and we want to talk a little bit afterwards. So stick around for that. And as you are listening, if even if as you're listening or after, if you want to leave a, a review, rate the show on uh, iTunes or wherever you're listening, helps it get, help us to get the podcast out there. And uh, we appreciate every one of those. Also, if you want to engage the conversation with us, you know you can email us at uh, info at thinkorphan.com. Uh, drop a, a note on Facebook. Uh, we uh, love to engage with you guys, and I just keep telling people over and over about all the different people that are contacting me and Karen via email uh, or phone calls or whatever it is as we're having these great conversations. So please keep it up. And here we go with Mike Berry. Well, Mike, it is great to have you here on the uh, Think Orphan podcast. Yeah, great to be here, man. I'm loving it already. Yeah, you know, this <laughs> is so much fun. We, uh, I think this is the first time as, as I go back through my mental uh, you know, archives. And this is, I believe, the first time that I've been on your podcast and now you're on mine. Hope yes. to do more of this with, uh, with other folks out there. If you're listening to this and you have a podcast, let's, let's get going. Let's do this because I think it's a, lot, it's a lot of fun. And I think it also just, just helps each other get better and, and helps other people in other uh, – you know, areas, maybe hear something they might not yeah. have otherwise heard. So, so, you know, yeah. with that being said, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know some of the, some of our audience doesn't know who you are and doesn't know what you're doing. So uh, share a little yeah. bit about uh, how you got to be where you are today and, and what you're doing. Yeah. So I am a, I'm an adoptive father, uh, former foster parent. I've, we've adopted, we have eight children, uh, true story all through, uh, the, the amazing adoption process. Uh, and that has really been who we, who I am. I would say that's who I am, um, for the last 17 years. But in that process, I also became, I went from being a, a full-time pastor to, uh, an author, a full-time author, blogger, public speaker, podcaster, uh, and all that good stuff that comes along with that. And we do that, uh, in the area of foster care and adoption. Uh, so we, uh, we have a, a blog that we created about six years ago called confessions of an adoptive parent.com. And we created that as to be a voice, uh, of encouragement and hope to weary foster adoptive parents around the world. Um, what, what started off as just a little hobby. It really was a hobby when we first began, uh, back in 2012, Started off as a hobby with about, uh, I don't know, five, five or 600 of our closest friends has now grown into a global platform, reaching more than 100,000 uh, readers every month. And in that process, we also launched our podcast, which is the Honestly Adoption Podcast, which you mentioned earlier you were part of, which, by the way, that was a great episode, one of my favorite episodes to date. So 
Um, so yeah, we, uh, we have, uh, we've launched that and all our, our mission is to, uh, to bring, um, what we often say in our, with our team is we bring practical resources, relevant, uh, content and training, and most importantly, hope to foster adoptive parents, because the reality is this, we, we, we are loving our kiddos. We're, we're doing our best to fight for their heart, uh, and fight alongside of them. Um, through some of their struggles, but it often can be very taxing, very exhausting. So our mission is to come alongside of, of foster adoptive parents on this journey. And we are that virtual arm around their shoulder um, to say, listen, you are not alone. We're right there with you. We know how hard you work to love your kids and lead them. And so we want to pour into your life uh, we want to enrich your life. And so everything we do is dedicated to that. We travel the country all year long and speak to audiences um, ranging from state, state-funded state conferences uh, all the way to um, church-sponsored uh, conferences. So we do faith-based, non-faith-based. We were just at KFO. Uh, I know you and I were both at KFO, mm-hmm. running in the same circle, never actually got, got, know, to, it's got crazy. to check. It's crazy. But, um, so we do that and then we, we've actually both released and I say both my, my wife, Kristen, uh, she, she and I both run this together. We both have, uh, released, we actually have three books out right now. Her book born broken came out last year, about a year ago. My latest release confessions of an adoptive parent also titled after our blog came out this past February. Uh, and then we also co-wrote a title called the adoptive parent toolbox, which has been out for about two or three years now. And all of that content um, centers around this mission to to bring uh, practical resources, relevant content and training and parent-to-parent support uh, for foster adoptive parents on the journey. Um, And that's what we've been doing for the last four years full-time, and we love it. It's challenging at times, but – and then personally speaking – I don't know how much you want me to go into this, but I, I can tell you, I could talk all day long about all this stuff. But uh, personally speaking, we, we're, we're a family of 10. We have eight children, like I mentioned earlier, but we live on a farm out here in central Indiana. And uh, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. We have animals, we have cornfields, we have all that good stuff. So so that's a little bit about, about us and what we do. And uh, we, we're just every day we wake up like, man, this is crazy. We get to do this. This is awesome. We love it. What a blessing from God. So. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a lot of fun to get to know you. It's been fun, you know, flying through confessions of an adoptive parent, your, your most, as you said, your most recent release of the book, um, which, you know, it was funny because we had a conversation, uh, probably a week or two before I read your book and I realized like I could have just read your book and I could have found out all these different (laughs) things, but it's a lot more fun to do it on a, on a phone call and in person and just really get to know someone. But I will tell you folks out there, pick it up. It's, it's a great book. And you know, what's, what's funny about it is I have, as you folks know, out there, if you've been listening to this podcast at all, um, I have five biological children. I'll tell you what, a lot of what was in that book applies to me, uh, applies to pretty much a lot, you know, most parents out there. If you're, you know, weary parents, um, a lot of the issues, yeah, they're, they're specific to foster and adoption that you guys are talking about, but so many apply um, to parenting and to parenting in general. So I, yeah. I would say, and it also gives insight, it gives, whether you're a, a foster or adoptive parent or not, 
um, it really gives insight into how we are on this journey together and how all of us need each other to encourage, to support, to help out. And, and, you know, and on that note, you know, can you just share a little bit, you know, with the folks out there who may not have adopted, may not have fostered, may not even feel called to do so, but how can they get involved and how can they be part of adoptive and foster families, um, and be really a much needed part of, of that, um, as, as we're called to, you know, love orphan, love orphans and, and widows and visit them in their affliction. And what does that really look like for, you know, adoptive foster families from people who may not be in that, um, directly with them? Right. Yeah. That is, that's a big question because there are a lot of people, uh, who are, uh, you know, who I, 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 I often say they're the ones that are kind of sheepishly raising their hands in the back of the room. Like that, you know, they're listening, they're sitting at a, at a, in a conference at CAFO or refresh or something like that. And they may not be actively adoptive or foster parents, but they're the ones sheepishly raising their hands saying, uh, Hey, I don't really feel called to be actively involved, but I want to do something. What can I do? So you have the people that are like jumping in, both feet. They are ready to do this. They're signing up. They're they're getting their foster care license. They're they're going to their uh, local adoption agency um, and and jumping into this journey. But then you have the others who are like, I I don't think we're supposed to do that. So what are we supposed to do? So for the people who are like, like their heart is bursting out of their chest. Um, I want to do this. Let's do this. We feel led to do this. Do it. I mean, it's mm-hmm. as simple as that. It's right. it's it's go time. You know, it it I. I, there's no, there's no science to it. We could do like a five part, you know, a five step this or 10 step that to doing this. But a lot of times you, you need to let your heart lead, you know, and there are lots of great resources, um, that can help you along the way. You know, I, we don't want you to go into this night, you know, right. naively, we want you to go in prepared. That's why we've created our blog and that's why your podcast exists and awesome places like refresh and CAFO exist to equip you and encourage you and give you insight. So do press into those, uh, those outlets, right? Yep. But then you have this, uh, the, the, the crowd that's like, what I, I don't think we're, we're called to be actively involved. What do we do? You know, I just had a conversation, um, a couple of weeks ago in New York when I was speaking, New York state, upstate New York, it was this elderly couple who was at this conference, but they weren't, they were not actively fostered. It was a conference for foster adoptive parents, but they weren't actively, I, it was really interesting. Cause I'm like, you're here at a conference that's like 99% mm-hmm. active foster adoptive parents, but you're not, you know, and they actually said to us, listen, we're here because we want to do something, but we don't feel like doing that. We don't feel like we can do this. We're right. older. We're, we're along in our years. We don't think that's what we're supposed to do. What do we do? And so Kristen and I had a conversation with them about all these other things. So, um, you know, the, the reality with our families is that it's often, uh, 24 seven, uh, often very little sleep, often, uh, a lot of frustration because we're dealing with, um, professionals who don't understand us, don't understand our children. And we, we often just feel like every day is just, a like a hamster in a wheel over and over and over again. So some, some simple things like saying, Hey, listen, can I come over and just hang out at your house while your kids are at school, help you clean? Can I bring you a meal? Can I, can I offer to, um, take, 
you know, your bio kids or your kids that are not in foster care because there's all kinds of regulations about, you know, who can watch your kids when they're in foster care. Can I take your bio kids or or the children who are permanently a part of your home out to the park? There's all these practical things that we often just, we we think that it's got to be like these big, massive, um, earth moving things, which that it's, that's awesome. But sometimes it's as simple as making a meal for somebody Mm -hmm. or as, or saying, Hey, listen, we know this has been hard for you. So when the kiddos get on the bus, can I come over and help you clean? Uh, and for the parents, for the foster adoptive parents who are listening, you have got to be willing to say, sometimes we hold so tightly to our life because we have to, Mm -hmm. that we have trouble releasing at times when somebody honestly wants to help us. And we, there's a reason for that. Some of us have been burned, you know, some of us have, have opened up in the past and, and then suddenly faced judgment or criticism. And so I understand that I've been there, but I can, for the listeners who are, who have been in that, on this journey and they're exhausted and they have somebody saying, Hey, let us help a a group at church or a next door neighbor, or, um, you know, somebody who's not on the journey who wants to help. You've got to be willing to say, um, okay, I'll let you, I'll let you help me. I need help, you know, or or I'll let you take my kids while while I take a nap Mm -hmm. and don't feel guilty about that. Right. Don't, I'm releasing you of guilt. I actually said that (laughs) I was doing a self-care course at, at our self-care track at CAFO a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I started off by saying, parents, can I release you of some guilt right now? You may feel guilty sitting in a self-care, uh, court class right now please don't feel guilty. Mm-hmm. You need to take care of you. So I know I've kind of talked a, a billion miles a minute on this, but, but I want to speak that uh, this is near and dear to my heart because yeah. I am a parent and I have benefited from people saying, Hey, we're not actively foster adoptive parents, but we can certainly help out. And I, and I've talked to many people who are like, what can I do? Yep. Sometimes the simple acts, simple acts of kindness, um, they, they, they do a world of good for somebody who's on this journey. They really do. Yeah, so. no, and I think it's usually the simple acts, right? I mean, I think, Absolutely. and I even look, yeah. like I said, it applies to, to my wife too with five biological children. You know, I tell people all sure. the time, I say, oftentimes she will never ask. I think we've talked about this on when you interviewed me about it, you know, what, what, yeah. can, what can folks do? And, you know, and that's what I was, I think, encouraging the, the foster adoptive parents exactly like you just said, you know, to, to not feel guilty about asking, to not feel yeah. like you're imposing upon people because a lot of people want to help. And it actually gives them great Absolutely. joy to help, but they have no idea how to help. You know, and some other people, you know, don't ever want to ask for help. And, and yeah. so neither the twain shall meet sometime, right? And so I think yeah. it's so important for, you know, sometimes if you want to help to just show up yeah. and to just yeah. be like, hey. I'm here. What do you yeah. have? What do you have for me? What do you, how can I help? How can I help? Not say it like at church on Sunday and like in passing as they're yeah, doing yeah. the greeting. Hey, I'd love to help anytime you need help. That won't happen. But if you show up on Tuesday at three o'clock when the kids are getting home from school and everyone's like freaking out about something and then somebody yeah. sets someone off and you show up in that, in that fray and you say, Hey, I'm here to help. What can I do? You know? Yeah. And, and, and I, I let me say something about that, that what you just said there, you know, oftentimes we, we get into this habit of saying, Hey, let me know if there's something I can do, you know, but let's be honest when you're in crisis, 
how often, what's the likelihood that you're going to say, oh yeah, that person said if there's, if I need anything, it's not going to happen. The story I often tell when I, when I talk about this back in 2014, I was abruptly fired from the church I worked, I worked with. I didn't do anything wrong. I had nothing, no moral failure, no ethical, nothing bad. It was just a downturn in finances. They were cutting, they were letting people go and I got fired. It was sudden. I, it ended abruptly a 16 year ministry career. So it was tough, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I had tons of people texting me, emailing me, seeing me, passing me by in a Walmart or a Target and saying, hey, listen, man, I'm so sorry you went through that. If there's anything I can do, let me know. If you need somebody to talk to, let me know. Right. So I had probably 20, 30 people say that in the the course of two or three days after I was terminated. There was only one person who emailed me and said, Mike, Mike. I'd like to take you out to lunch, meet me at Chipotle Mm -hmm. this coming Tuesday. And I sat with him. His name was Dave. He worked at the church that I was terminated from. And in the process of that conversation, he just, he just met with me just to love on me, just to listen to me, right? Just to pour into me. That was it. No strings attached, nothing at all. And in the process of that conversation, I finally said to him, Dave, you know what? Out of all the people that reached out to me, you are the only one who, who did not say, hey, let me know if there's something I can do to help. Mm-hmm. You were the only one that said, I am coming to help you. Right. And I think that's valuable for people to understand. Now, I, I'm not, I don't want you to overstep bound. I'm not telling people right, right. to just like bulldoze ahead and bust into someone's house with like a basket full of Mr. Clean and, and paper towels, you know. Which <laughs> Although I don't think a, my wife would object. Mine wouldn't either. Mine would not either. Okay. Some people might. Um, and, and I don't get you because we would be like, come on in. Right. So, you know, but. I'm not saying overstep your bounds, but I'm saying sometimes you're not, sometimes you need to be proactive and say, uh, and I'm talking to the crowd of people who are not actively foster adoptive parents, but even those who are, and maybe in a different season, you know, like we're in a different season in our, on our journey. We are not, we're, we're in a position where we pour into people because we can, you know, we're, we're not dealing with the same exhaustion that we used to deal with. So, be proactive and say, Hey, listen, like we've done that with our friends we would say, listen, we are coming to pick up your kids, right? You don't have a choice. We're coming to pick them up and we are, we are, are telling you to take a nap. Don't fold any more laundry. Don't clean the house. Take a nap. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to be proactive like that and that's okay. And, And people will welcome that. Nobody rarely will someone say, Hey, two weeks ago during the church greeting, you said that if right. I needed somebody, that people do not, we don't behave like that. Yeah. We don't. We need people to step into our lives and say, I am here to help proactively put me to work. Yep. No, and I say one one caveat that, that we didn't state that I want to make sure we do just in case somebody blames us for saying to do something that we weren't actually saying. This is all in the context of relationship. So yes. these are people yes. you know well and you know this about each other. And so when you show up, no one's going to be like, hey, who are you again? What's your name again? Yeah, no, exactly. Like this is obviously in the context of relationship. And certain things you could obviously do with less relationship. But what you're saying, I mean, I think if anyone you love comes over and says something like that, you will take them up on their offer. I, I would yeah, be yeah. shocked unless they're, you know, unless you're going somewhere and doing something, I would be absolutely shocked if somebody said, nope, don't want it. Thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, relationships, the key, you're yeah. right. Relationships, the key. And, and, uh, I, you know, I do think that, um, 
you know, obviously a stranger would be really, really weird. But, you know, I think the, the cool thing about that I've discovered with this journey is that it, this is kind of like being a foster adoptive parent um, is is kind of like being a firefighter or a police officer or even a, or even in ministry like church ministry. Those groups in particular, have, they're like there's like this brotherhood, you know, like this bond, like a firefighter could meet another fire. A firefighter from New York can meet a firefighter from L.A., and they just have a bond, mm-hmm. you know, they have this connection. Well, that's kind of the way it is for us. You know, like we'll meet, we'll meet a, we've met people once in, in person face to face, and then we become electronic friends right. forever, you know, like texting, email, um, zoom calls, things like that. So, you know, but you do need that foundation of, of relationship. But the cool thing about this journey is that, you know, we, it's, it's kind of like this, you have this instant connection because of this bond you share in caring for vulnerable children. Absolutely. So I think that's really cool. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Well, let's get in. I want to get into the book a little bit. I want I want sure. to just uh, kind of just share. We obviously can't talk about the entirety of it because there's a lot yeah. of goodness in it. Um, two of the, you know, things that you talk about in the book that are really the common things, you actually said them several times, even in the 20 minutes or so that we've talked already. <laughs> um, the facts that you're not alone and there is hope, you know, yeah. and those are the two recurring themes throughout the book. Pretty much everything you say in that book comes back to those two in one way or another. Um, and, you know, you talk about things like building a effective support systems, which is fantastic. Um, you know, we're not going to be able to get into that uh, today, but I do recommend I'm going to put, you know, this will be on the show notes, folks. It'll be, you can go to Amazon, grab it. You know, you don't you don't need to go to the show notes. You can just Google uh, Mike Barry. You can Google Confessions Adoptive Parent and you'll get like so much stuff that you'll be like, whoa, what do I do? <laughs> grab the book, grab a couple other things, um, check out the blog. You know, you'll, you definitely will not be uh, bummed about it. You won't be wasting your time. Um, but what I want to talk about right now is kind of that there is hope part. Um, yeah. And uh, you, you, you talk about in there four beliefs to help you look beyond the storm to see the sun. And as sure. I was reading it, like, like I said already, that this is great advice for foster adopted parents, but also all other parents and really just people in when you're when you're kind of in a valley, when you're when you're stuck, when you're when you're kind of thinking, man, there's just there's not hope here, you know, right? Yeah. And you come yeah. up with these four beliefs. Now, can you just share what those are? I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. So you really are putting see. me on the spot. I can help you through them if you struggle. <laughs> yes. I've done this before. But um, if you remember them, great. If not, we can, you know, you can I sure remember the gist of it anyway. So we can want to share a little bit about that and what you're talking about there. Yeah, well, I will say this. I'm like feverishly flipping through the book. Little hey. little confession to your audience. Sometimes people are like, they'll come up to you on the street and say like, hey, that one part of the book. And oftentimes, yeah. and you know this because you're an author. I know, I know. There, there are things that I will go back and I will be like, oh, I did write that, They're didn't right. I? That I forgot really all about good. that. Yeah, no. Yeah, no. so I'm, I'm like feverishly <laughs> flipping through well, my book right you. now. Well, let me help you. Let me help you so you don't have to I'll find page reference. Yeah, hey guys, so basically. You, I know this book. I promise I know this book. I wrote this book, but sometimes I forget things I wrote well, in the book. Dirty so little secret of authors is that we write the books a long time ago, and I've I've talked to yeah. several authors, and I've said, "Have you actually read the book?" <laughs> yes, not the <laughs> manuscript, not on a computer, but the actual you hard actually read copy <laughs> of the book. Um, and not many have. And why? Because we've read it a million times outside the book. So, but what that says is we've read it a while ago. So here we go. The four things are believe in your calling. Yeah. Believe in your influence, believe in your child and believe in hope. So speak to that a little bit. 
So I, I actually teach these principles in a, in a course called how to move from, uh, surviving to thriving on the foster adoptive journey. It's actually a, a video series that we created a four part video series we created. And I, uh, we, we, we took this for, I took this, this content from, uh, some stuff that I taught a long time ago and I, and I speak recurringly to audiences, um, because I think it's, I think they're valuable nuggets for, for foster adoptive parents to understand because oftentimes we get into this place of feeling like, you know what, I'm a failure. I'm the reason my kid is at, is, is behaving the way they're behaving. I, there's nothing I can say or do to help this child change. I don't see any, any light in the future. It just looks dark and it looks bleak. So I, I, these four principles, um, believing in your calling, uh, I, uh, you know, in this book, in the book, I even said this in the book, but I, I'll say this to audiences too, that, that you were called to do this. This is not by happenstance. This was not by accident. Like you, I believe that you were divinely called to be a foster adoptive parents. And you've got to believe that, especially on those days when, when your child, your child's, um, disorder or behavior or special need is causing a lot of dysregulation in the home. Sometimes we get to this place where we we feel like, why am I doing this? Why are we doing this? I'm not making any difference in this child's life. And believing that you were called to do this, even in the midst of those dark days can get you through those days. Mm. Likewise, believing that you have influence, that what you are saying and doing now, um, is making a profound impact on this child's life. Uh, I, we often tell the story, I tell the story in the book, um, uh, about a, 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 I call her a little girl. She was actually a teenager. Um, but I'm in my forties. So everybody that's younger than like yeah. 30 yeah. is, a, is basically a child. Right. So you're, you're an old, uh, old man. So I am, I'm, yes. I'm ancient, right? Mm-hmm. So we had this, we had this little girl that we fostered, um, back in, oh gosh, probably, well, it was 2008, 2009, um, she was a handful. Uh, she was a handful. She pushed every boundary we set up for her. She, gosh, caused us a lot of stress, a lot of grief. And there was a lot of disruption in our home because of that. And the way that our relationship ended with her, um, she had aged out of the foster care system and we were allowing her to continue to live with us, but she refused to respect any of our boundaries. And so our relationship with her at that time ended with her storming out of our house and basically giving us the finger. I mean, that was basically, you know, what she, how she ended her whole interaction with us. And if you would have asked me back then, um, you know, what, what would become of her? Like what, what's her life going to become? I would have looked at you dead in the face and I would have said, um, she is going to end up in jail. She's going to end up homeless. Uh, she may even end up dead because the girl was so just so out of control, uh, defiant, like she is the poster child for defiance. Uh, that's what I would have told you. And we didn't hear from her until August of 2016. Uh, and in August of 2016, my wife received a Facebook message from her. And in the Facebook message, she said, Mike and Kristen, uh, I want to thank you for your love and compassion, uh, over me. 
especially in my, uh, in my incorrigible years, she always used really big words. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I want to, I want to thank you for that. You, you helped me. Um, and I pushed you away. Uh, you caused me to, you, you, you were there for me when everybody else abandoned me. And I mean, it went on and on and on. In fact, I, I write, when I shared in the book, I actually condensed it because it was a really long Facebook message. And Kristen and I were blown away. This, here's this girl, now a grown woman, um, telling us basically that you made a profound impact in my life. And, and she was thanking us for that. And we, we were dumbfounded because again, we would have told you homeless, uh, in jail or dead. And that the, the, the power there is that especially to foster parents who feel like I'm this, this, I'm not doing, making any difference in this child's life. You are every time you choose to love that child, uh, with no strings attached, even through the, through the darkness of their, their past trauma, you are changing their life in ways you can never imagine. And the influence that, that you're, that, that you have in their life, you may not see that in your lifetime, but at some point it's going to take root. It's going to sprout. And you're going to have, you'll, there'll, there, there'll be a story like this little girl that we fostered. I'm convinced of that. But the, the reality is you just don't see it. If you're expecting to, to love a child unconditionally and then over the next couple of weeks, suddenly they transform, rarely will you see that. Mm-hmm. It's going to be, it, it's going to be a story like this where nine years later, suddenly you get this Facebook message and you may not ever see that in your right. life, but you just have to believe that you are, that your child is, that you are, you're making a difference in their life. Um, I talk about believing in your child. Um, and this is, this is more of a message for, uh, parents who, uh, who have a child permanently in their care, like they've adopted them and they're now permanently, they're permanently a part of their family. But I, I, I we got to this point several years ago, uh, with my oldest son, where we were so distraught. Um, he suffers from fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And so any of the listeners, um, anybody listening knows that that is really, really hard to deal with. Um, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, uh, drug and alcohol exposure prenatally affects the prefrontal cortex, which in turn affects reasoning, logic, self-control, impulse control, you name it. And so we have often dealt with a, a highly impulsive child um, a very aggressive child at times. In fact, he can't even live in our home right now because of he cannot keep himself or others safe. And so finally, our state Department of Child Services intervened. Really, really tough situation, right? There's a lot of people who are dealing with things like that. We hear from them all the time. And they feel like, uh, you know what? Uh, I There's no hope for this child. This is never going to change. There are some, in fact, I was speaking to people just a couple of weeks ago and I looked at them and I said, some of you, some of you will be hands-on parents well into your golden years. And there was a lot of them that nodded, right? So that in turn can, can cause us to lose, uh, this hope that our child will ever, um, be, be anything different than what they are now. And what I mean by that is that, you know, like my child, I love him to death. I I would bleed myself dry for him. But sometimes when, when he's in the midst of a tantrum, because he cannot think logically, it's hard to see past that. It's like this storm that in, that just envelops you and you cannot see the sunshine behind the clouds. So 
I think it's key for us to believe that, that our children have a hope and a future because I believe that about my son. Mm-hmm. I, I was visiting him last night and we had a great visit, right? But then there's times where we don't have great visits, but I'm looking at him even in the, even being in a residential facility where he is. And I just, I believe he has hope and a future. I believe that Jeremiah 29, 11 over his life is true that he has hope and he has a future and that God is not done using him. Um, and I think that's a valuable belief for adoptive parents who are dealing with difficult children, parenting difficult children. I think that's important for them to understand that, listen, the way that your child's behaving now at nine, 10 or 11 years old does not mean that's their future. You cannot base your future child and their future life on what their 10 or 11 or 12 year old self is doing right now. Because we know this, that grace changes everything, right? When I was a 12-year-old kid, I was a, I was a wreck, right? Yep, yep. Uh, it, did not, it did not determine who I would become at age 40. So believing in your kid is, is critical even, and it's critical that you believe in them in the middle of the storm that you're in, the middle of this, this really, really difficult disorder that can sometimes just take the life out of you and sometimes cause you to look, to look at your life and feel like, man, I'm in the middle of a hurricane and it does not feel like it's ending anytime soon. But understanding that the sun is still shining behind the clouds that the sun is still out, um, that there is still hope. And that, that the fourth thing that I talk about in this chapter is believing in hope. I actually end the chapter with that because I think that hope changes everything when we, when we can look at things and say, you know what, this is dark, this is hard, this is challenging, this is exhausting, but I still have hope. I have hope that my child, that my child's life, that this does not determine his, his or her future. Uh, I believe that I am an influence in my child's life, even when they're calling me every explicitive in the book and it looks as if they're not, nothing's changing about their life, you know, and that I'm called to do this, that brings about hope. And you've got to believe that, that the sun is shining even when, even on cloudy days, Mm -hmm. even on dark days. Um, so yeah. So folks, I, I wrote this, I promise. See, I wrote it. I just had to be reminded. I just had to be reminded and Phil, you reminded me, my friend. Well, so that's my job. Took me right back there. That's what yeah. I do. That's what you do too you, for other people. You so read the book, you read the book. I'm, I, I'm impressed. I've read it more recently than you have. So that's, that's part of it. And, and I think too, when you talk about believing in hope, um, I think that's where, you know, our faith comes in in a way that, that is so powerful to know that God loves these kids more than we ever will, that he has created them, you know, for good works that he created before they were even born for them. Right. And that, that hope in all of our kids and in ourselves, quite frankly, is something that, that if we, if we hold on to that and we see that and we actually, uh, think about it in the midst of that storm, like you're talking about, like, yeah. man, how powerful is that to look at that child and say, you're not, you know, and I, I, I recently interviewed uh, Krish Kandaya and he, he talked about the idea that you're not a label. You know, someone told him about a kid that was coming to him and he said, you're, he's a biter. Yeah. And he goes, that child is not a biter. That's something he does, but it's not who he is. Absolutely. And, yeah. Oh man, it's so powerful to think about that these kids are uniquely created for something amazing, right? And yeah. so as we see that hope, 
Um, yeah, super powerful. Thanks. Thanks for writing it. Thanks for putting it down. And you know, you should read your book sometime. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause I do so <laughs> many, I've done so many radio interviews and this is the first interview. And I, I, you know, I was actually just, uh, I mentioned that video series. I was just going over that video series because as we're recording this, we're about to release that video series, um, how to move from surviving to thriving on the foster adoptive journey. So I was just actually going over that content. So as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh, yes, yeah, of we're, course. we're talking about this right now. <laughs> so I do need to read my own book. Good grief. <laughs> well, yeah. another thing you wrote, another thing you wrote in there was about your friend, uh, Mark, who, who uh, told you something, I believe it was at camp when you were younger and it stuck with you. And it's uh, people who are legends have a following. They draw attention yes. to themselves. But those who leave a legacy are often faceless and yet they change many people's lives. If you live yep. as a legend, you'll fade out and it won't end well. If you leave a legacy, you'll change history. And yep. that, you know, that is super powerful. I know it's powerful in your life. It, it's yep. something that, you know, similar things I've heard powerful in mine. Um, you know, how has this really impact your life, everything you do? And, and especially I want you to speak to this because I think a lot of people, you know, look at you. Oh, you're just, you know, you've written books and you've done this and you have this following. and You talked about 100,000, whatever the numbers are. You know, how has it, how have these words really impacted what you do and how you do it? Because I think it's important to, to, you know, I think Tony Hale at Q recently said, you know, if you're known by the people who love you and in your your smaller circles, that's all the known you need to be. Right. And I think that's something that is critical to understand. But at the same time, you can have an impact on a greater area. But how has the, how have these words really um, impacted you as you do what you do every day? Yeah, I think it, it goes back to what I was talking about, you know, with those four beliefs, believing in your calling and believing in your influence, believing in your child and, and believing in hope. Um, I think we oftentimes, um, look at the world around us and we feel like I'm just me, you know, I'm, I'm not anybody special. I hear that all the time, especially from foster adoptive parents. Like, I'm just, I'm just me. I'm not, I'm not doing anything special uh, or I'm not anybody special. And we, it's because they're in the comparison trap Mm -hmm. and I do this too. I've been in the comparison trap more times than I can, uh, I, I can even recount where I look at this world and I think, well, gosh, LeBron James is LeBron James, right? Mm -hmm. And Brad Pitt is Brad Pitt and all these celebrities who have all these social media followings and, you know, all these big name authors and, and whatnot. And I feel, and I look at my life and I feel small. Right. But I, I, it, it, that when I heard that quote, when I heard Mark say that, you know, there's a difference between, uh, uh, legends and legacies. Um, it, that spoke to me. I was actually at the time a youth pastor and I was leading, I had students at a a summer conference and that spoke to me directly because it may, it brought into perspective this reality that, you know what, they're big or small, we make an impact. And for us, for, for foster adoptive parents, we will never, um, be the, the, the headline in people magazine. Uh, rarely will we, unless we're a celebrity, right? Mm -hmm. We will never, we will never stand on a, on an Oscar stage, um, and, and have the applause of humanity for what we do. But that doesn't mean we're not making an impact, um, because the child, the children we're loving and caring for, the vulnerable children who have come from some really, really, really dark places, we're changing their lives. Yep. And in turn, that's changing another life and another life and another life. And we hear all these stories all the time about, um, 
you know, kids or adult adults who are in, who grew up in foster care, who have gone on to, 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 you know, uh, be foster parents themselves or start a, an organization that, that reaches, um, at risk kids. You know, you hear that all the time. We cannot discredit ourselves because we're not receiving the accolades of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, because first of all, uh, our heavenly father, um, sees us and knows what we're, he, he sees what we're doing. He's called us to what we're doing and he knows what we're doing. And that is, that is changing the world. It's just not receiving the applause of man, but that's not why we do this. You know, so for me, um, I, I, I'll be honest, I still, uh, yeah, we may have a blog that has over a hundred thousand readers. That's great. You know, and people may think, oh, you guys have, you guys are just living the dream, right? And we are living the dream, but it's not because we have a hundred thousand plus followers. You know, that's not what it's about. Um, mm-hmm. and, and our, and our podcast has been successful, so on and so forth. Um, we, we're successful because we have chosen to be used in a, in a powerful way. Uh, and I, 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 I kind of wince when I say that cause I feel non-humble when I say that, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't want to be braggy about a calling, but you know, w- when I realize that, you know what, th- I don't need to be a legend to change the world. Um, legacies, I'm a legacy and, and what I'm doing will not appear in a bunch of, um, uh, um, a bunch of books down the road necessarily, or, or it won't be a big Wikipedia account. Um, but what, you know what it's doing, it's changing a child's life and that child is now going out and changing another child's life and another and another and another. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, that's what world change is all about. Absolutely. It's about, so I, so I use that, you know, I often say, you know, you, I look at audiences and I say, you're not a legacy. You're not LeBron James. You're not Angelina Jolie. You're not Sandra Bullock. You know, those are people are great. We love them. We love to see what they can do. We love their movies. We love to see them on the court. Um, they have big social media accounts. They have, um, audiences applauding them every step of the way. Um, that will never be us and that's okay because what we do changes the life of a child, changes the path they're on when we love them unconditionally. And that in turn changes this world. Yep. That's what I believe. Absolutely. No. And I, and I am right there with you. I think that, you know, I talk to people all the time about this, you know, we, you often think you want something until you really think about what it is. And, you know, you talk about that yeah. being known and, and what the, who do we really have impact over? Who do, who has impact over us? And I, I talk to people a lot, yeah. a lot about it and I've heard this said before, you know, think about the people in your life who would miss you if you just disappeared for six months. Yeah. There aren't that many. And yeah. some people can see that as depressing, but I would say, I don't care who you are in the world. That's the case. You know, you think about a guy like Tom Hanks, right? Yeah. He's made some phenomenal movies. He's made some incredible movies and fun, yeah. funny, incredible actor. But how often do you really think about Tom Hanks? True. Not very often, unless no. you're watching a movie. And someone might say, hey, I haven't seen a movie from Tom Hanks for a while. Well, why is that? Well, actually, he's got a family that he loves. He's still married after yeah. all these years. He's got kids who know him as a dad. Yeah. Which a lot of people in those fame roles, whatever, don't know their own families because they're doing all this other stuff at the expense of that. And yeah. I'm not sitting here saying, yeah. oh, you're terrible people. I'm just, all I'm saying is don't neglect what you're doing and how important it is because you want something else that people that won't really think about don't really care about you. Um, they might like what you do, 
but are they really vested in your life? Are you vested in theirs? And that is what yeah. really matters and what makes a difference. And I think with that, that's what that quote's getting to, right? Is yeah, that absolutely. that's where that difference is made. And if you make the, if I can take my family and say, you know what, I'm going to pour all my energy into that. Time. That's absolutely not wasted time. Yeah. Those five yeah. kids, I'm the only dad they know. I'm the only husband my wife has. And the impact you can have in those lives will impact thousands of other lives. So I think yeah. that if we take those jobs seriously, our world would be a different place. Um, and so yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think we, 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 again, it's that comparison trap that I talked about a moment ago. We are so busy focusing on what we don't have that we, and comparing our, and comparing ourselves to people who, ha, who apparently from what we, what we can see on the outside have everything. We get so busy doing that, that we, we neglect to see what we do have. You know, we talk yeah. about this in self-care being grateful. Sometimes it seems really simple. Like people will come to my class on self-care and, and we talk about gratitude mm -hmm. and you almost, you almost want to apologize. Like, I know this sounds really simple and you're sitting there thinking, wow, gosh, I kind of want my money back. Mm -hmm. You're talking about something simple, right? But those are the things that we gloss over all the time. Yep. We are so busy as, as a human race focusing on the things we don't have that we, we neglect to see what we do have. And we often neglect to be grateful for what we do have. And that's, I, I love what, how you talk about like this, our world, you know, if I'm disappear, if I disappear for six months, my goodness, um, the people that live in this household, mm -hmm. um, it, that, that would be a tragedy, yep. right? Focus yep. on that people. Yep. You know, focus on what you do have. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. All right, man. We could talk for a lot longer than this, but I totally. know we got to wrap it up. Um, and uh, if you want more of Mike and, and me and, and actually Kristen talking, you can go listen to me being interviewed by them on their podcast, Honestly Adoption Podcast. Fantastic. There's so many different episodes I was going through looking at all of them. Um, listen to several of them. Really good stuff, folks. You won't, you again, you won't regret taking the time to listen to those things. Um, but right now, I'm going to ask the last couple questions that we ask all of our guests. And uh, the first is, what have you read, watched, or listened to recently? Uh, we know it's not your book, but something else <laughs> that has impacted <laughs> your thinking on how we can level orphan and at-risk children with excellence. Oh, goodness. That's good stuff. Um, well, the, the book that I've been reading lately uh, is uh, Bob Goff's new book, Everybody Always. Mm. Uh, so good. Uh, it's so good. I, I love, it's just such a simple approach, um, to loving people, especially difficult people. Um, I think it's a must read, uh, for, um, especially for foster adoptive parents. Um, but anybody who is involved in orphan care needs to read everybody always. Um, and you also asked, what do I, what have I watched? Yeah. And I am, I don't know if I want to admit what I've watched. Well, now you have to. I know. No, I have to. Yeah, I, I can't. I, yeah, that's that's I kind of wince here, man. There's like a lot of embarrassing moments in this interview. <laughs> hey, My well, goodness. That's, that's yeah, I, I know. Try to draw I love out. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, to be honest with you, this is going to sound kind of weird, but I and I won't give any spoilers on this, but. Um, I've seen the new Avengers three mm. times, oh, wow. nine hours of my life that I'm glad I gave away. Um, because it was, it's, it's, I, and the reason I saw, I've seen it that many times I went with my two friends and I took my kids and I took my oldest daughter or my third oldest daughter to see it. And so I ended up going three times, but, um, I, the, the, the theme that I kept walking away from that film with, and I'm not going to give any spoilers. Don't worry if you're listening and haven't seen it. Um, it's this theme of sacrifice, um, in fact, I'm, I'm at some point going to write a review on our blog 
um, of that movie because I'm also a Disney partner, so I need I need to be doing that. Uh, but okay. yeah, um, yeah, I. There's just a this recurring theme um, throughout the movie of sacrifice. And what I love, and again, no spoilers, but I love that there are a couple instances where um, a character almost has a hard exterior, like I'm not going to sacrifice anything for you, and then their heart changes mm. and they end up sacrificing everything. And I that really spoke to me because that's so relatable for us on this journey. You know, oftentimes, um, I think as parents, we can get this hard exterior, um, because the journey becomes tough and we lose sight of, of sacrificial living. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. That could be a whole nother episode, but the fact is we, you know, it spoke to me, uh, as, as a parent, you know, and, and being willing to sacrifice for my, my family, for my children, even if, my, even if I feel, I don't feel like doing that, yep. you know, yep. laying everything down. So, so yeah, that's, that's what I've been reading lately. Um, I also read Brene Brown's Braving the Wilderness. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend that for, for anybody, but especially for foster adoptive parents, because my goodness, we are, that's what we're doing. We're living in the wilderness. We're at an outpost yeah. out in the wilderness on this journey. We have chosen to leave this, the, the safety and security of the city gates. And we're at a wily outpost way out in the middle of, of the wilderness, um, uh, where, where there's not very many people. Yeah. Um, and we, we kind of stand alone. That book is, was, was revolutionary for us. So fantastic. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. And, uh, you know, now I, you know, I haven't seen the Avengers yet. In fact, I was actually going to get black Panther yesterday on oh, red so box and I just didn't for whatever reason, I, I still got to get <laughs> that. Um, and then I'm going to go watch Avengers after that. Cause I feel like I need to understand black Panther better before going and watch True. the Avengers. Um, so, but I don't know that I'm going to see it three times, although I'll probably see it that many times as it's in parts in my house as my kids are watching it later on, but that's a whole different story. Right. Um, um, so what one person has most impacted your thinking on how we can love orphaned and at-risk children with excellence? Okay, so this is going to sound really, really crazy, and your audience is probably going to uh, laugh a little bit at this. You may laugh at this, for that matter. Um, I'm going to say Taylor Swift. Mm. Yeah, I, Swift. I can say this the first time. This is the first on the Think Orphan this is the podcast. First. So, so full admission, I am a Taylor Swift fan. Um, as an author, I love that she tells stories. I love that there's a story behind most every song she she writes. So I've always been a fan of hers, going all the way back to the early days when she did Love Story. Um, really, really love her work. But here's why I say Taylor Swift. It's not because of that. <clears throat> it's because um, a couple of Christmases ago, uh, I think it was 2015, maybe 2016, she did this whole campaign where she just – um, chose fans at random and showed up at their house with tons of gifts. Actually, she didn't choose them at random. She chose them intentionally, um, because they were going through, um, some hard times and showed up, um, with carloads of gifts for them. Um, she's also done amazing things like she has, uh, sought out fans who are being bullied, being picked on. Um, and she, um, will, comment on their Instagram account, which for a kid is like huge, right? Mm -hmm. So it's that there's that. But then just recently, as she began her, um, reputation tour in Arizona, she invited foster adoptive families to attend at no cost, her final dress rehearsal. Um, so basically got the seat, got front row seats to, 
um, to see the whole show, um, start to finish. And I just, I think, I think the woman, um, models, uh, unconditional love, um, loyalty and grace. And I, and I, I love that she did that for foster adoptive families, um, because we're working hard to love our kiddos. Um, and then we have a, a celebrity who, who often uses her platform, um, to, to love people unconditionally. So, um, so I've just been thinking about that a lot because she recently did that and it was all over Facebook. Um, she did that for families. Um, and I, I just, I, I admire her. I admire her work. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Well, maybe not first. Maybe you've heard this uh, well, I've before. Said it many times, so, yeah. all right. Well, shoot. I thought this was a. Uh, this I thought is this was breaking news. First podcast I've ever said this. Okay. On. Well, I there think. it is. Okay. Well, we got that going for us. So, <laughs> with that, I, I I could not think of a better place to finish this interview um, than there. So. With that, Mike, thanks so much for your time. Thanks yeah. for your friendship. I, I, As I've said before, I look forward to growing this friendship over many, many years. So uh, thanks, for, thanks for your time today. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, thanks again, Mike. Uh, you know, I lo- absolutely love what Mike and Kristen are doing with all their different materials. And I, I now, I talked a lot during that interview, more than I normally do, just because I was having so much fun with Mike. But uh, Karen, what'd you think about, what'd you think about Mike and just all the stuff he shared? Yeah, um, I don't know Mike and Kristen personally, but I've been very familiar with their books and resources and blog for several years. I strongly recommend their resources to almost every single family that I work with. Actually, Kristen's going to be doing a conference in Louisville in just a couple of months. I'm going to be speaking at that conference, Mm. too. So I'm excited to connect with her and finally get to meet her. One of my favorite things that he said that I've heard before, and we've actually talked about it on this show, but I think it's so super important when he's talking about practical ways to help foster and adoptive parents. It's absolutely on point when he basically is saying, just do it. Like, don't just ask, just do it. And I know I can totally resonate with that. When our family moved back from East Africa, we were kind of in a whirlwind. And in that we had multiple wonderful people ask what can we do? Just let us know what we can do to help. And I would echo what Mike said. And there was probably only one or two people that actually just showed up and did something for us. And it was so incredibly helpful. And so I just want to echo that again, too. And knowing with the families that I work with in my office, families that are transitioning back with a child or just having a child join their family through foster care, it can be so helpful when the church especially just does something, does something that's helpful, does something that's going to give that parent a break or a piece of respite. Yeah, definitely. No, that's definitely something that I uh, talk with him a lot. I can relate with that too, even though I've never adopted or fostered. And I know it helps out our family a ton, especially when I'm traveling and people do that. So I uh, absolutely love that part of the conversation. Um, some of the other stuff I, I really enjoyed um, hearing from him really was just talking about the ideas of that he really lays out in his book really well or you're not alone and there is hope right and one of the things he talked yeah. about was looking beyond the storm to see the sun what uh, what do you think about that conversation when we were talking about the there is hope part you know i know you're you're in it too so just to to I imagine those are words of encouragement to you and so many others yeah it's incredibly helpful so often when we are in a season 
of great difficulty. And oftentimes that season, um, especially with older child adoption or adoption with special needs or foster care with special needs or older child foster care, there's so many categories that fit into what I'm about to say, but oftentimes those seasons of difficulties are extended and it is incredibly helpful to know that there is hope, that there is Um, light at the end of the tunnel, that there is pieces of this intentional parenting, this investment style of parenting, the connection and the Christ infused style of parenting and and connection that um, is going to be helpful for these children and these teenagers, even if we don't get to see or hear about those um, kind of you know, the seeds that we're planting in and we don't get to see or hear what actually comes out of it. Yeah. You know that, and that always is so hard in anything you're doing, right? When you're, when you're doing something and you don't necessarily, you know, you may never ever see the fruit and yet we're called to continue to just push through that. And, and also, you know, not only push through it, but have joy, you know, and contentment, um, you know, even in the midst of that suffering and that that's just, I mean, an impossible task sometimes, or so it seems, it's very you know, hard. Yeah. and, um, so and I really like that you often bring the conversation back to, yo, like this is very relevant for parenting in general. This is absolutely relevant for parenting children by birth. This is not stuff that is just for foster and adoptive parents. This is stuff that is relevant in general for parents. We all go through very difficult seasons and you do not have to have a child through the foster system or adoption to go through a difficult season with a child. Yeah, absolutely. No, and I, and I think that that's what I, I talk to people all the time. You know, there are certain issues that we need to be aware of, um, you know, in all of our children's lives, right? And, and all of our children, you and I have talked about this a lot, that um, all of our children have their specific issues that they're going to go through. Some of them physical, some of them mental, some of them, you know, social, um, all kinds of different things they could be going through. And, and foster and adoptive children have theirs, theirs as well. And some are more common in certain kids or certain whatever. Um, but the fact of the matter is we need to treat each of these as individuals. And, and we also need to keep the hope of each of them as individual, the promises that we get in scripture, the promises we get, you know, from God that the, that, you know, he loves each of us in amazing ways and has created us for specific purposes. So how can we tease those out and help the, our children and those you know, children who are in our, in our lives, in our midst, to be able to live out their purposes? So um, yes. with, I'm glad you said yes, because I wasn't sure if you agreed. So that, that confirmed no, that you much. agreed. All right. All right. We're good. We're good. <laughs> I figured you did. But, you know, sometimes you need that verbal affirmation, as we just talked about. So, um, you know, also, as, as, as uh, Mike was talking through in, in that idea of there's hope, he talked about a specific thing that one of his, his children is suffering um, through and with is fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. You know, he spent he spent a little bit of time kind of saying what that looks like. But can you can you speak to that and, and really some of the ways that you know if people on the show are, are struggling through that, um, how you can encourage them and, and help them? Yeah, FASD, um, as Mike talked about, is um, a really complicated condition that impacts a lot of our kiddos that join families through foster care and adoption. Um, It happens here in the States. It definitely happens um, in international settings. It can be very confusing because there is no specific one plus one equals two 
diagnosis for FASD. There's not a blood test. There are some kind of physical characteristics and there's some things that, that we know exist, but oftentimes um, it takes a really specific and um, specialized medical team to come to this kind of awareness of um, an FASD or a child that's on the spectrum. And I know specifically here in Louisville, I send all of my uh, families to the Children's Research Triangle in Chicago. And I'm just giving that as a resource right now in case there are some families listening that may be struggling with this. But what it tends to happen um, and what we see with families and the way this plays out, as Mike kind of talked about, is it's just really, really complicated. And, and these kiddos just have so many things that they're battling against with the impact that this alcohol has on their prefrontal cortex and the development that their prefrontal cortex um, has or is unable to have. And uh, just as a reminder, what that looks like are these really important parts of our brain that handle impulse control, that handle aggression, self-control, that handle reasoning and logic. On top of that, there's almost always very significant problems with sleep. There's also very significant problems even with infants and their ability to latch and suckle, whether that's by breast or by bottle. And so you can hear all of these things and think about parenting a child, even a little baby infant that has all of these difficulties. And so what it looks like is challenges that are often um, throughout childhood and adolescence and, and quite honestly throughout their adult life. And it is a very complicated and very hard process for parents. And so one of the things to continue to highlight, and I know the Berries do a great job of this, is how important it is when we have children who are walking through difficult seasons or, ha- or who have legitimate um, organic brain conditions that literally impact their ability to control their anger, to control their impulses, to control themselves. This isn't just um, a lack of first-time obedience. This isn't just a child being defiant or manipulative. This is a child who genuinely has an organic brain condition, and it can be hard for parents to walk through this for months and years and decades. And so their emphasis, Mike's emphasis, his wife's emphasis on self-care and getting help and getting support. And the piece that I would add to that is, even though you heard me say the diagnosis can be really complicated from a clinical perspective, it is really important if you feel like your child or teenager may have some of these symptoms to consider working with a group of experts and consider getting a diagnosis to help your child with education, to help your child with any um, type of services that he or she may need. Always so important to uh, to make sure you are getting the care that, uh, that you need, both for self-care but also for your children as well. So thanks for that, Karen. Thanks. That definitely brings some uh, perspective to it, but also just brings a little bit more context to it. So very helpful. Um, Now we are going to be getting into one of my favorite parts of the show, Phil and Dr. Karen recommends, just because I always love sharing things that are exciting to me with other people. So that's why I do all these interviews. And that's why I now, as with right alongside with you folks, I get to hear a recommendation from Dr. Karen. All right, guys, this is one of the most influential books um, that I've come across in the past year, and I cannot believe that I haven't mentioned it yet. I've got to believe that somewhere we referenced this um, since 2018, January, but maybe we haven't. (laughs) All right, guys, so the recommendation for today is called The Deepest Well, and um, the other title is Healing the Long-Term Effects of Childhood 
adversity. (laughs) It's a mouthful. Healing the long-term effects of childhood adversity. And that's by Dr. Nadine Burke Harris. You can find her. um, She's done a couple of TED Talks as well. She's a phenomenal uh, physician and um, just leader in helping children who've experienced trauma, abuse, and neglect. This book is a great recommendation for anyone, parents, caregivers, teachers, anyone working with uh, vulnerable children, children who've experienced um, these type of these type of situations that cause problems. It does a great job of really putting it into perspective in a way that families and parents and teachers can understand. It is not filled with a lot of jargon. It's just a really, really helpful resource to help parents to understand how these aspects of abuse and neglect and household dysfunction can literally impact a child's brain development. And so that goes along nicely with even some of the information that Mike shared about FASD. Well, thanks again uh, for a great recommendation. Uh, I say that just because I know all your recommendations are great. So if, she, if Karen recommends it, folks, grab it, read it, and it will definitely help you. Um, and I, I do pray for that book, if you do read it, if you have read it, for everything else you're hearing on this show, this interview with Mike, and everything else you're doing. I, I do pray that you take it all and you use it to help you know how you can love orphaned and vulnerable children better and better each and every single day. Thanks a lot. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed today's Think Orphan podcast. For all the information in this week's podcast, please visit us at thinkorphan.com. You too can be part of the conversation. Send your questions to info at thinkorphan.com or join us on the Think Orphan Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us again on the next edition of Think Orphan. Think Orphan.